Why don't you drink? Uh, I, ju- I just don't like it. Yeah. I don't like. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like that. I'm not able to drive my car if I drink a drink. Mm. Um, yeah, similar because I um I I was always younger than everyone in my year, and yeah. so when I got my L's and then P's, I wanted to drive badly. Yep. So I was happy to be designated driver boy, and so yep. I never I didn't drink. Just never got on. I have drunk. Like when I was younger, I, I was young and stupid and got drunk and that with my mates and did yeah. all that. Played played footy, so I was. I didn't. I drink. wasn't a big drinker even when I was playing for South, but they'd, it was their challenge to get me pissed. Yeah, and the, and on trips away, and they succeeded a couple of times, and it was fun. One of the funniest nights I've ever had in my life. Well, the funniest night I've ever had in my life was a night they got me hammered. We were in LA. We missed our flight to Hawaii. We got to the airport too late. And we had to stay in LA one other night while the team flew to Hawaii. It was like an overnight flight. They were like, all they got in at one in the morning. Yeah. We actually had an extra night. There was myself, Mark Carroll, Sean Garlic, um, <coughs> Rod Maybon, Steve O'Day, and myself. So six of us. Mate, that, and even to this day, I see those blokes at reunions and we say, what about that night in LA? It's the funniest <laughs> night I've ever had. I swear to God, I have not had a funnier night, a better night in my life. <laughs> and, yeah. Anyway. See, I didn't drink until I was like 21 or something. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, I was it, at a it, wedding. Then, I, wasn't I was a at a drinker. mate's wedding and I was on the like the bridal table and my then girlfriend was just had the shits with the world. Yeah. And so I just went, you know what, I am going to have some wine. So I drank Rosemount Chardonnay. And it was yeah, yeah right. my wife likes but it gave me the gave me the, the the giggles, you know. It gave me that feeling. Oh, this is yeah. a bit of fun, right? And so <laughs> when I went back to Perth, obviously not happy with the world, um, I just started buying Rosemary Chardonnay and getting getting yeah, right. getting a little bit tipsy myself. Right. And then I came back to Sydney, and I remember going to down to Griffith, where my brother uh, lives or lived at the time. Yeah. And we were going to go camping with one of his mates. Now his mate, like I'm talking extreme, not. Um, redneck, I'm just talking extreme country boy. And at the time, he had like a broken leg. It was crazy. We were going camping. And we pulled up. I'm in the car. Andrew pu- Andrew pulls up. He's go, going to the grog shop. What do you want? I went, oh, I don't drink. He goes, well, yeah, going to drink. I said, well, I only, <laughs> I only drink Rosemount Chardonnay. He goes, don't be stupid. Comes back with a, with a like six or eight pack of uh, lemon ruskies. Ah. And and I'm drinking. I had a drink and I'm like, it's like a solo. Now, I don't like solo. I don't really like lemonade. Yeah. But it was okay. Okay. So it's just lemon. It's just a lemon uh, vodka, and mate, that's the only the, that and and Chardonnay. That that was what I. Did, I, you, get, I was, did you get pissed on it though? Or? Um, probably not on that camping trip, but back that, like that drink like that. though, being so sweet. Yes, it's, it's you, you just you smash them yeah. down. You think it's oh, just it's like drinking like soft drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the problem. And, yeah. and so we <laughs> remember in two. Th- I don't know what two thousand somewhere in the two thousands. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> we were working on the continuous call team, and myself. Yeah. Uh, Bravo, who's now Ray Hadley's executive producer, Bowen and the One Iron. Yeah. Uh, we had a uh, we got a Holden something because uh, we were rotting cars at the time, and we were, we were driving to Bozo's Farm in Quambo, which is a eight hour drive, like oh, yeah. middle of nowhere farm. I'm telling yeah. you, middle of nowhere in we New dr- South Wales. Too, yeah, yeah, we're driving up the mountains. Uh, we go, you go over the mountains and then out, and we stop at Springwood to go to the bottle o. and we've got a Holden station wagon, and the boys <laughs> buy two cases of beer each. I buy a, a week. Oh yeah, we're there for wow. a week. Okay. Um, I buy <laughs> uh, a case of lemon ruskies and a case of passion fruit UDLs. 
Wow. And I remember very That's clearly serious. each of us going up to the counter and this bloke goes, is this for the girls or is this for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, but cheers, bruh. I, I remember one on a, I think this was in 98, no, 91 South trip. And we were in New Orleans. And we were in a place called uh, the Cat's Meow, it was called. <laughs> in New Orleans. It's right, it's called the Cat's Meow. And the famous drink the in the Cat's Meow was called the Hurricane. Right? The Hurricane was. It was an alcoholic drink, but it tasted like soft drink. Like it was like, I remember the boys bringing these over, and I'm thinking, "Oh, this is all right." And it was like full of alcohol, and it was just smashing them down. And I remember when you know, have you ever done that when you've walked out of a nightclub or a bar or something, and then the fresh air hits you, and and <laughs> your legs start to wobble. You're thinking, "Geez, I've had a bit to drink." It's very funny that you say that because that yeah. happened a couple of times in Las Vegas with some of the boys yeah. getting just smashed when in, you're at, in, at the yeah. at the nightclub. Yep. And then as soon as you walk oh, out... Oh, yeah. It's a massive change, yeah. It's like a, you get hit with an anvil. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you're out at Quambate, at Bozo's. We, we'd start drinking at breakfast. Because yeah, there's no one... Out. Like, there's nothing... It's just... That's nothing it. We're do. just sitting around a farm all day. That would bore the shit out of me. Oh, no. Not, when, not, not nothing to do. There's pigs to kill. Oh, okay, you're There's right. things to be done. But yeah. you can do them blind drunk, I, basically. I, I don't drink at all now. Oh, the the closest I'd drink now would be a Bailey's or something on ice or something like that. I um see. I still if I'm having a you know a highs or lows, good or like mega good, mega bad. I'll I'll go to the bottle and I'll buy four Ruskies and I'll have like two one night. Yeah, like just just something different to water or coke, right? But um at where were we? Was it New Year's or something? A good friend of ours, Stacey, we were there and Stacey said to me, mate, do you want to try whiskey? And I said, mate, whiskey. I've never had whiskey. I don't yeah. like the smell of it. Yeah. But he poured one, and I had it. Yeah, and it's I'm just like I don't know whether this, you know, you know when you see people drink whiskey and they drink it real slow or I don't yeah, yeah, mate, so you know what was happening? Sipper, yeah. I was watching Ray Donovan at the time, yeah. so I'm thinking this is me. Yeah. I'm getting into this, right? <laughs> but you, you know, you have the ice and everything, right? And I'm just well, you like, have it neat, which is no ice, or rocks with ice. And I'm just sitting there going, this just doesn't taste good. It sort of burns your throat, I, yes, It's like burning. I don't, yeah, yeah. like, why would you do this Ooh, to yourself? It's burning. <laughs> and I got the sense, I got the sense that that was what it was meant to do and I'm like, why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. It's a very strange but, thing. But that's the, like, I, I, my wife, she drinks, right? She yep. likes a wine and, and we'd, we'd often sit right in here. That's her seat right there. Like, this is my seat. We were in here last night. We watched a movie on Fox. Actually, not a bad movie called Bad Education with Hugh Jackman. Uh, is Hugh that a Jackman. movie? Yeah, it's a movie. I, I thought, thought it was, it was a, ser- a show. I thought it was a series too. I've been calling exactly, it a, a show. Exactly what I've been thinking. Holy I said, crap. Is that a movie? And she said, yeah. I said, we're watching that tonight. Let's go. And we came in here and watched it. It's she on had, Binge. Yeah, watch it. It's a good show. I've been saying good movie. all week, Hugh Jackman's based, new series. Based on a true story. Shit. Based on a true story. Good movie, right? right? Anyway, we're in here. And she's got a red wine. And her red wine... Yeah. She, I, I, I remember... I, I, she says, I just... I sometimes go out and just top up, top up a glass for her. And I have a smell of it. I'm thinking, no. that smells like metho. Like, yeah. And See, then red wine smells how do you horrible. Drink that? White wine smells okay. But how do you, how do you drink that? Like, yeah. and, and yet she'd turn around to me and say, like, I've got my coffee. She goes, oh, that stinks. That yeah, smells so like, she it. says, it smells like an ashtray. I said, are do you, you know joking? What? I said, you're joking? You drink red wine and you bag of my coffee. We had um, my one of my best mates, Flipsy, came down with his wife, Nat, and their kids just for like 20-minute visit while we swapped cars. 
And um, we're sitting there, and I said, "I said, well, do you want a coffee? Because Jacko can make you coffee. He's got a coffee machine. We knew that. Yeah. He can like we never used to be able to offer people coffees in the in your office. No, at home. Oh, at home now. Yeah, okay. You yeah, like an espresso. Machine. Jacko's got a little espresso machine. Is he like coffee? Your son likes coffee. Yeah, he has decafs. Good luck to him. Yeah. Anyway, so you don't drink coffee either. No. You've never done hate hey. the smell of it. Yep. All right. So, so, so you here's and Joe the thing. Are the same. I don't drink anything hot. And then Matt <laughs> flips his wife goes, um, "Can I just get some hot water?" And I went, "What?" She goes, "Just hot water." I said, I'll have one of them too. Like, I want to try this. Yeah, I've heard that too. A lot of people And, mate, you water. know what? It was very good. <laughs> hot because water. Because I, I, I drink a lot of water. Yeah. But then it's hot and it, it's I, – now I understand the sensation of the tea and the coffee, that, that warmth <laughs> going down your throat. You've never had but a I hot liquid like, before. No. Wow. And okay. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really nice. Yeah. I've got to do it more. Especially wintertime. I actually think yeah. it's, it'll be good for my throat. Maybe. Just to have some nice warm, bloody water going down it now and then. Because <laughs> my eyes struggle. I go cough a lot. I, you know, I've got a bit yeah, of a yeah. grainy. It's like, yep. it's like I need a pipe cleaner to go down and just, you know, <laughs> clear it out now and then. Well, maybe you need a coffee, mate. Maybe I just need warm water. Get a coffee, India. You've been in India? Get a coffee, you India. But um, look, I think uh, what I was going to say about yeah, th- this this night in LA that we had <laughs> was it what, was so was it just in the hotel room? No, or? no, no. What had happened? Right, we we were <laughs> mate. This is it, I'll try to tell it as <laughs> as concisely as I can. Right, we'd hired a va- we'd hired a minivan for the week. We were in LA for yeah. like five days, or whatever. So like eight of us put in shot in to have a, a van, mm-hmm. so we can just drive wherever we want. And on the way to the airport, freaking bags coming off the roof, and th- you know, we're stopping to put bags back in, and we were late to the to the airport. Mm. And we got to the airport, and it was because it was going from LA on a it was first leg of an international flight, so we were we were had to be there a lot earlier. Mm. Anyway, we rocked up. We said, oh, "Here we are," and they said, "Oh, look, you're too late." He goes, "There's two seats left. There's eight of us." They said, "There's two seats left." So here, get everyone's passport, and we're going to draw out two passports to who's going tonight. And I've got, I said, okay, yeah, give me your passports, boys. And I've handed them all over to the girl. And she's drawn out one, drawn out two. And I said, I said she has, okay, you guys are in. Boom, she gave them their boarding passes. Then she said to us, okay, she gave me the boarding passes back. She goes, okay, you give these back to the guys and we'll organise your flights for tomorrow morning. You're staying here tonight. We're going to book you your hotel. And we know it. All right. So I'm giving back the passports. And I'm thinking, where's mine? She goes, oh, sorry, yours was over there. I wasn't even in the draw. I, I missed out. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, there, there you go, my chances, right? So anyway, we we're all filthy thinking, oh, what are we going to do? There was one person I forgot actually was in the, in the group. David Boyle was with us too. Boyle, Boyle, Boyle on the burst. Yeah. Boyle tries to squeeze the pass out, but he can't. <laughs> anyway, we were there and thinking, right. So we, we were staying near near the airport is uh, Redondo Beach. It's not far from the airport. So they booked us in this this hotel and then we went from Redondo Beach. We all, we put out. We all had the shits, and we thought, let's just go out and just get smashed, right? They said, right. They said, they said to me, they pointed at me, said, Fanna, you're 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 going to we're going to get you hammered tonight. So we think, right, we'll go to the Red Onion. The Red Onion was up the, not far from not the, the hotel. Not the Cats Meow, the Red Onion. No, the Red Onion. This was the same trip as that Cats Meow trip. In New- so we're coming up from New Orleans. I think we did New York, and then came back to LA, and then we we're going to Hawaii on the way home. Anyway. We get to the uh, to the Red Onion. We called a cab. Now we called a cab, and there were six of us. And the cabbie says, "Sorry, mate. He, goes, I can I t-? he said, "Sorry, boys. We can only take five here." And we said, "Mate, there's a massive tip in it for you if you let us t- if you put a six of us in there." So we're in the cab, and everyone starts bashing each other in the cab. The cabbie's driving. He had a big long ponytail. 
so we're pulling his hair and he's trying to drive and <laughs> thinking this place is going to brush us, right? Anyway, he drops us off. We gave him a massive tip. We said, mate, be back here at 2 a.m. Because everything shuts at 2 a.m., right? He said, be back here. 2 o'clock. We'll meet you right here. There's a big fountain out the front. And so we go in there and it's dollar drink night. I'm thinking, God help me, right? So I was watering pot plants with my drink the whole night. I was, and by the end of the night, I, I couldn't avoid it. I was hammered, right, at the end of the night. So we've walked out, and Mark Carroll, Mark Carroll's a big, big dude, right? Mark, yeah. you know the spud, yeah, right? Yeah. Massive bloke, good, good bloke. And my mate Steve O'Day, one of my best mates, he's a real good bloke. He he was out the front. He's always been a joker, right? There's a couple of good sorts. Some girls out the front and near the fountain. There's a fountain out the front of this place. So he's gone. He's just tried to lightly splash him with water, but he's dug his hand in and soaked him with water, right? And they're and they're blown up. Their boyfriends walk over. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and so he's there by himself. Steve's there on his own. Then Mark Carroll walks up behind him. Then Dave Boyle walks up behind yeah. him. Then I came behind him. And the two blokes then, they were they, they were sort of about to bridge up and they, they saw Spartan Boyley and me and they went, yeah, okay, don't do it again. <laughs> they backed off. They backed right off. But then the cabbie turns up. The cabbie was there. Right? And we're thinking, look at this. So we got in the cab. Anyway, the, the night, the whole night was just. I, I honestly got my ribs and my face were that sore from laughing so much. Everyone's just everyone's trying to cut each other's grass in the bar. It's funny as hell, right? We get back to the hotel and there's a fountain out the front of the hotel, and I've, I've my shoe fell off as I'm walking out. Right, my shoe came off. So Rod Maybon, who was with us, grabs my shoe, throws it in the middle of the fountain. So I've got to get in the fountain to get my shoe. And Joe had been to Bali. She gave me a watch as a gift. Lost it. Didn't know where it was. Lost. Never to be seen again. Anyway, Rod Maybon decides he's going to just strip off and run run up and down the, the lobby in the hotel. Right? He's nude running in the hotel. And he's come up to me and crash tackled me in the lobby. And I dead Seth thought he's broken my arm, this bloke. And the the, the the hotel manager's come out saying, what are you doing? I'm going to call the police. What are you doing? So we've gone back up to the room. And long story short, it felt like I put my went like this. I put my head down. I had to wake up again to get on the plane. It's like I had like five minutes of sleep. So the next, the flight to Hawaii after that was pretty, pretty. I was on the aisle, kept getting hit with a cart. And it was a nightmare. But the the fun continued in Hawaii because my roommates in Hawaii were Steve O'Day and Terry Terry Coolitz. My, he was the, he's one of the trainers that's still at Souths to this day. He's still he's a Cairo, but he's a South trainer. He, I, I go shopping one day and come back to the hotel room and there's all fi- there's fire brigade. Everyone's on the street thinking what the hell's going on here. They said oh there's been a fire in one of the rooms. <laughs> I went oh, okay. They said okay you can go to your rooms now. They, they, Ten minutes later they said okay we're going back up. Got out at my my floor. Fire brigade everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, this is it. That must be on our floor, the, floor, the, the fire. Turn the corner. It was in our room, the fire. What? So what, what had happened? Terry had, when that when we went away, Souths gave us, uh, when the travel company gave us all a little carry-on bag. Yeah. And the rooms we had were apartments. So there was a, there was a kitchen, a little kitchenette in each one. Yeah. So what Terry's done, um, Steve was just watching TV. Terry's gone to get his gear out to have a shower. He's thrown his bag onto the, onto the stove. And it's turned the stove on. And so Steve was sitting in the lounge room just sort of thinking, smelling smoke. 
then he then he looks around and sees the bag on fire in the in the on top of the stove, and he's yelling out, "Teddy boy, there's fire!" So the the smoke alarms have gone off, and everyone's evacuated the building because of this bloody bag, and it, it was in our room, my room. I think of all the rooms it could have been in. When you say it was there. like a South's trip. Yeah, it's a footy trip. No, but what end, of season, end of season, end of season trip, end of season trip. Yeah, so this was in. Well, and the, and how did it? All, was that just? Is that because back in the day, uh, you know, not paid like yeah, we we raise money, we raise money for the trip. Right. So we'd sell raffle tickets, and we'll would have things on like after the after each Souths game, you had to go back to the club. It was a requirement for you to go back to the club, which is the South South Seniors at Redfin. Yeah. So that all the you know you'd, you'd go back and meet the fans and have a meal and. Have a drink with the boys, and and at all of these after 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 games, we'd we'd sell raffle tickets and have these fundraisers and stuff like that, and we raised enough money to for for the trip. Right. Yeah. And they don't do did, that anymore, do they? Nah. It's very much you're on holidays, then you go yeah, with your family because they're full time, mate. They're 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 with in each other's pockets all day, every day. We were we had jobs back then. We'd we'd only turn up in the afternoons and evenings to train, and play on the weekend, and then we're back at work. But um, yeah, yeah, mate, oh, it's some funny times on those trips, and it, it, it's it, it, like we went to where do we go? Like there was a couple, two seasons we went to America, eighty-eight and ninety-one. We went to America, and the other years we just did like the Gold Coast, and I think we went to the Gold Coast a couple of times. But yeah, those two years, eighty-eight and ninety-one, we went to the states, and both times in nineteen eighty-eight we met up with the San Francisco Forty Niners. Yep. We went to their training headquarters, and they said, "Oh, we're professional footballers from from Australia." And we went to the training camp, mate. I saw Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and all these superstars. Then we went went back in '91 and saw them as well. And then there was Steve Young, Jerry Rice was still there. It was just like it was amazing. We were on the sideline watching these blokes train. It was like it was magic. And all, that's why I'm a big 49ers fan. That's since seeing them yeah, in the yeah. flesh. So uh, that was great. And what what we did too, we organised. Um, clothes for the trip so we had hats and shorts that said you know USA South Sydney USA tour had like an American flag and an Australian flag and I remember when we went to South to see the Niners in in 91 the players saw all our shorts and stuff and they wanted to swap us so I remember I swapped my shorts with Ricky Ellison number 50 for the for the 49ers he's got my my South Sydney US tour shorts and I've got his shorts with number 50 on them People were swapping hats and all that sort of stuff, so it was great. All these blokes were fascinated by you know these rugby players from Australia. It was the best time. We we had, we had a really good time. Footy trips, awesome. Yeah, but I remember we went in '88. We went. I think we just stuck to the east coast. We did um, the west coast, I should say, San Fran, LA, and Hawaii. Yeah. But in '91, we did <laughs> uh, we did New York, New York, New Orleans. LA and Hawaii. I don't think we did San Francisco. No, we did San Francisco. Yeah, we went five places. It was like a three-week trip, and it was brilliant. Well, he's eighty-eight and ninety-one. Yeah, yeah the two, the, the, yeah, the two years we did the trips, but um, and uh, year seven and year nine for me. There you go. Mate. Something there like you that. Go. Well, I was I was twenty in eighty-eight, and I was what was I twenty-two in twenty-two in ninety-one, twenty-three in ninety-one, and they're just the stories you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> we had a fun time, mate. We had some fun times yeah. with with but with these. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. The camaraderie of a football team is it's. I can understand, and and by no means is this the same. I, I don't mean to compare this, but no. the level of camaraderie is like when the diggers get together on Anzac Day 
these blokes literally went to war together and survived yeah. it. That's a friendship that is is that's welded life together life. for life, right? Yeah. It'll never break. And and yeah. while you're absolutely right, it's not the same, but it it's as close as any any exactly, mere mortal well, could get. We were sort of going to war every. We'd run on the field and we're there. We're playing for each other. It was yeah, that yeah. sort of that bond that we built that made made us friends for life, and that's why I've, we've got such a great community of. South's past players that I'm actually on the on the committee of the South's past players. We all organise uh, events and uh, uh, the ability for players to come to the games and watch the games for nothing and and ha- you know, have a drink and all that sort of stuff. So we're, we're very very uh, protective of our South's old boys, which uh, we we got huge numbers at all our functions and we just we just really stick together and it's. Just typical of the. That's why they call the spirit of South Sydney or something. Yeah. That that's not a myth, mate. There's, the spirit in that club is incredible. There's no other club that can have that. You don't think same kind? No. Well, mate, we're a foundation club and a lot of history and I don't know. They they, they say when South Sydney are doing well, rugby league is doing well. And and look, I played for them, so I believe that. But it is it, it is a magic club. Really, really good feeling. Good good bunch of guys that are you know knockabout blokes, funniest blokes you'll ever meet. But the that they'd honestly put their life on the line for you. So then, um, during this interview with Stephen Fennick, um, <laughs> I think it's important that we touch on one other very, very, very important topic, and this won't be the last time we do. But my, my question to you about Star Wars yeah. actually is, I get that you were, it was kind of, it came out at the right time in terms of yeah. your age, right? Yeah. So there's no doubt that my, uh, your generation, okay? Yeah. And I say that with the greatest respect, but... I'm not talking 25-year generations. I'm talking people yeah. within the 10-year the window of your age. Like the Star Wars is, was was epic at, uh, it, at its time. But what what is it about that that made yeah, you that is a, good question. a mega fan as opposed yeah. to just someone who went to see all the movies and enjoyed them? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. And I, I, a lot of people ask me why I like Star Wars. And I'll tell you why. I was, I was the right age for a start. Like I, I was yeah. nine years old when I saw the first Star Wars. Think about Star Wars. People think, oh, it's just you know spaceships and people shooting lasers and stuff like that, right? It's not. Star Wars is about characters. It's about family. It's about family, but it's also the most important thing Star Wars is about. It's about hope. And mm. that no matter how young and insignificant you might feel, you can still make a mark in the universe. Right. And, and in... in that's why I sort of related to Star Wars because Luke Skywalker is this kid, this little farm boy who can't. His uncle says, "No, nah, you can't go to the academy this year. You're gonna to have to wait." And he's thinking, "Well, what am I doing here? Like, I've, I can't, I can't do this. This is not what I want to do." Yet, when he's called into action, and he discovers that, yeah, he can make a difference. So, and 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 in fact, when Star Wars was first released in 1977, it was not called Episode Four. And it was not called A New Hope. The film was... The film, after 12 months in the cinema, George Lucas got his hands on it again and called it Episode 4. And then after that, he, he gave it a subtitle call, and called it A New Hope, which is what Luke Skywalker became, The New Hope. Yeah. So that that's kind of the, the appeal there. And, that, that, that's, and, and all of the movies are the same. You think of... It's it's the it's the rebels against this massive empire. There's always there's there's always that spark of hope that they can still get the job done, that what? they can still do it. So twelve months after putting it out, 
you got to remember, this is 1977, so there's no video stores, there's no streaming services. The only place you could watch Star Wars at the time was in the cinema. You had to right. go back to the cinema to watch it. And it was in the cinemas for 12, a year straight and longer. Because it was the only, it was still making money at the box office. And so George, George Lucas said, okay, I'm, I'm going to tinker with it. And he hasn't stopped tinkering with it over the years. But the, the whole... And then when Empire, it's actually the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. It's just last week, May May the 21st was the, or the 26th, whatever date it was, May 20-something, was the 40th anniversary of Empire. And I remember Empire Strikes Back being, and there was no internet then, there's no Twitter, there's no social media, there's no, there's no way, if, there's no way for news to spread that quickly, but it still did. That word had got out that the big the big reveal in Empire was that Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Word had gotten out. Word had gotten out. So people that had seen it, right? Everyone like like I saw it probably in the first week or something that it came out. But even before I'd I'd even gone to the cinema to see it, you people, it my mates at school were saying, "Oh, Luke, Luke's Darth Vader's Luke's Skywalker's father." Spoiler alert. There was no that word wasn't even invented yet, even. Yeah. But it, everyone sort of knew that unless you saw it in the first day or two, that was the big reveal of Empire. But still, it was like still to this day when I watch it, I'm thinking, wow, it's still a powerful moment when he finds that out. But um, that was still the big, the big, uh, the big twist in it that I found that, and like I've read every book they've made about the making of every Star Wars movie. And the the thing that happened on the set with that was that not even the actors knew. Yes, I was only, that no, only Mark Hamill knew. Mark Hamill, George Mark Hamill, Lucas, George and Lucas, and Irvin Kershner, the yep, director. Yep. The only three people. So, and Irvin Kershner said to Mark Hamill, "said Listen, only George knows, and I know, and you know. So, if it leaks, we know it was you." Yeah, and he said because he, he said on Twitter the other day at the anniversary, I guess yeah. he said, "You know, that was the hardest secret to keep for a year or something." You there know? you go. And even even at the um at the premiere. Um, when he was sitting next to Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford leans over, he goes, "Well, you never fucking told me that, mate." <laughs> he blew up that he never knew. <laughs> and even the actor, the actor that was in the Vader suit, was David Prowse. Yeah. And he on the on the, the what it said in the script because the line is Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father, and Luke says he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And on the set, David Prowse's line was no. Obi-Wan killed him. And that's why he... Get, so that he can still have the same reaction. No, that's not true. That's impossible. And yet they knew that... Because so James Earl Jones... Hamill, so that's why Hamill needed to know so that he yes, could act the correct that's right. reaction. He had to have that sort of impact. Imagine how long they spent writing the, the fill-in line yeah. so that it made sense for the reaction so that none of the actors or anyone else knew. There you go. I, I read a great book. Like, I've got every Star Wars book you can own on the really? making of it. Have you got right? any Star Wars memorabilia? I do. I have a fair bit here. But there's a great book that I got. It's actually an expensive book. It's like this like collector's edition book. It's like a $600 book. There was like this limited edition called the Star Wars Archives. And there was stuff in this book that even not even I knew. It oh, was really? fascinating, the story behind the script and how they were trying to come up with this idea of sort of pulling the story in the right way and trying to make this Vader reveal as best as as big as it could be and, and that was fascinating read that, that book the Star Wars archives it's called very, I don't think you can buy it today it's very limited edition I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago I bought it for myself for Christmas a couple of years ago and it was um yeah brilliantly put together book but a limited edition I got I got also out there this massive sort of coffee table bigger it's as big as a coffee table called the Star Wars blueprints 
and that's like limited edition too. It's like the book opens up. It'd be as wide as these two chairs, these these blueprints that opened it fold out to sort of show the blueprint of like the Imperial Star Destroyer and the Millennium Falcon and all that. So that's out there as well. I need I need to build another wing to my home to put all mm. my Star Wars stuff because it's getting crowded in here. Yeah. Well, no, you won't need another wing because you'll obviously you know be <laughs> living alone because everyone will have left <laughs> you by then. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, just as you get older, you'll have more but room. You know what? That that I'm, I'm a big Rocky fan too, mate. See, yeah, Rocky yeah. Two was on TV the other day. Actually, Rocky yeah. Two. I turned on the TV. I was doing a bit of work in my office, and I turned the TV on. And I thought, oh, Rocky Two's on. I've got to watch it now. <laughs> oh, it was ten minutes in. I watched the whole movie. What and channel the, was it on? They're the shorts. Channel nine. Next next Sunday really? it'll probably be Rocky Three. Oh, they're course, doing it every. Yeah. They're doing it every Sunday. They had Rocky the week before, and uh, those shorts were in. Um, that were his fight. The fight where he wins the title, right? And I remember calling Joe, and I said, "Joe, come here quick." She goes, "What?" And I said, "Have a look. They're, they're the shorts I got in the theater. Look quick." She goes, yeah, okay, I oh, know, okay, relax. <laughs> she just didn't share the same passion as me. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be the biggest thrill in the world. Two people I'd love to meet. Yeah, George Lucas and Sylvester Stallone. And Stallone. I'd I'd want to shake George Lucas. You're hand. Adrian. <laughs> yeah, she, that's it. He says that in Rocky too. I'd like to say to George Lucas how much enjoyment he's given me in my life. That's all I want to say. I say, mate, thank you for the what you've given me. You what you created came out of Isn't your it brain. It's funny to think about what you'd say because there those moments for those people. So for George Lucas to be like, yeah, okay, thanks, mate. You loved or you hated that he that he changed the hand solo thing or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there'd be people that would I wouldn't, hit I wouldn't the worst say that. Stuff, I wouldn't say that. But it's actually it's it's, it's kind of like planning an interview, right? The best yeah. interviews are the ones where you are asking a question for the first time, you know, you watch those junket interviews with actors and things and yeah. you can tell when they're engaged because they're fresh questions. You can tell when they're bored because they're hearing the same they're questions. They're jaded a bit, eh? They've answered the same questions And the best times. way to engage someone, it's like, um, you know what I watched the other day? Um, well, I actually watched it over two days because I just didn't have time, but I watched, uh, I think it's just called The Comedian, Jerry Seinfeld, 2002. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's a it's a documentary kind of movie length movie length documentary about Seinf- about Seinfeld, Seinfeld at the end of Seinfeld yeah. the show and he he parked all of his stand up. He said I'm putting uh, it all that's away. That's right. That's it. I'm done. Is that I'm telling I'm, you for the last time? No. Okay, it's a different one. It's called The Comedian and and he goes okay. I'm done with it. I'm starting a new, and so he goes to clubs and you know un, yeah. like drives and does heaps of sets every night just practicing gear. You see him fail. You see him just stuff up. Really? But there's this other guy in it called Orny Adams who's another comedian and he's just a complete dickhead. Um <laughs> because he's just so full of himself. And he apparently copped a lot of grief back in the day for it. And I'd hate to be him now because it's resurfacing on Netflix. But uh, um, Oh, so you can watch this on Netflix, The Comedian. Yeah, the, I'm pretty oh, sure it. it's called The Comedian. Okay. Um, because he, he does Seinfeld. the stage show. That's old. I'm telling you for the last time. Oh, yeah, no, yeah no, so it's not that. This yeah. is this is, yeah, this right. is filmed in 2002. Anyway, okay. my point was there's a couple of points in it where, you know, because Seinfeld's just trying to be a comedian again. He's just trying to do set and then yeah. he's at a club and he's at a bar and he's talking to his mates. Have you ever seen him live? No, I've seen him live twice. Yeah, uh, thanks for rubbing that in. And <laughs> and so he, including once, here in Sydney, one there's time. a couple of moments where he walks out of a thing, and a guy yeah. goes, "Hey, Jerry," and you know, like you can see him kind of go, "Yeah, okay, good to meet you." But that you can imagine, yeah, hey, Jerry, love the show, or hey, Jerry, you know, well, Kramer's a funny guy, I'll whatever. Tell you. But what are those things that you yeah. say to those people that makes them stop and actually engage with you? Well, can I tell you, when he was here in Sydney, right? 
I remember walk because I, I was working News Limited, and I think I was walking. To I thought we were going to get through this without talking Seinfeld. No, no, no. It's but, my fault. But well, I've no, done but it. here's my story of Seinfeld. When yeah. when I was walking through Belmore Park and you know the Capitol Theatre is just yeah. near there, I'm thinking, what's going on here? There's people all crowded around. It was like Friday afternoon or something, yeah. and there's people all crowding around. A car pulls in, and Jerry Seinfeld gets out, right? And I'm everyone saying, "Hey, Jerry, Jerry!" And I said, "Hey, Jerry, have a great set." And he turned around and goes, "Thanks." He turned around and thought, because that's something that, that he, those people say to him in the show. Yeah. And when the comedians, I'll oh, have a good set. Yeah. And I thought, I remembered it. And I yelled out again, and he turned around and acknowledged it. Well, I'll end with my Kramer story, which uh, <laughs> I've told you before. But Kramer. So, a.k.a. Michael Richards. Hadley, Ray Hadley, <laughs> is as big a Seinfeld fan as, as Stephen and I. Um, he could, he, we, the three of us could talk for, for oh, days yeah, about I it. I love Seinfeld. Um, and <laughs> when Michael Richards came to town uh, to do whatever it was, a stand-up or whatever, um, it was immediate. We had to book him. Uh, we, we got him, and he was coming to the studio. So he came in. Came into the studio. Right. Well. So this is in, in Piermont. He came in the there. You, so you were there. You yeah. were thinking, oh, I was working on the Kramer. Hadley show at the time. and meet Kramer. And I'm like, we're going to meet Kramer. This is unbelievable. It's crazy. Whatever. So uh, you get the call. He's, he's just pulling up now. So I go out the front to meet him. So you go out the front on Saunders Street next to Channel 10, and here he is. And I'm like, can I Michael and whoever his freaking agents were or whatever? Yeah. Come with me. And you, you know, whatever. We get in the lift, and we stand there. And I'm going, can I hear mum's good? And uh, Ray's a big fan of the show, you know, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And then the, the lift doors open, and we're in or fucking no. Over, oh, which is on level five, and I went. Too far. I went. Oh, sorry, I didn't press the button. Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot to so press you're, you're in the, the button books. for level one. Anyway, oh, I said, no. sorry, we're just going to go down. I press level one. We come in. And okay, so sitting down, and then we get him into the studio, and he and Ray have a great interview where Ray asks him a few things. Like he, so you do the right thing. You talk about what they're doing now, yeah. but then you talk a little bit about. And mate, was this after Seinfeld had finished? Though, yeah, or still after got, Seinfeld had finished. Right, so it's post Seinfeld. Post Seinfeld, pre pre meltdown, pre meltdown, right? And and mate, it was awful. The interview, the interview. You said the interview was good. No, the interview was like it was. It was a Ray tried hard, but it was a crap interview because he did not want to talk about Seinfeld. He just didn't want to engage. Or yeah. it wasn't. He didn't say no, I'm not talking about. It. He just, you know what? You have some have some love for the fact that there are fans. You know, just engage with it a bit. You wow, know, yeah, and wow. he was he was he was boring and he was kind of he didn't have any emotion in the lift like in, there was just nothing and it's like yeah. dude do you know what just smile be happy yeah so you were in and we're having a chip watch exactly episode. like come on you know mate. and it was just it was one of those moments where you go you know what i don't think it'd be like this if jerry came and you like to hope so anyway and everything i've seen about you know yeah. jerry and stuff he and jason too yeah, i'm filthy that jason alexander was at the today show and i wasn't there that day yeah. but you know was he in studio or was it across I don't know. was he in there he was, I think in, he was there, in there i think yes wow Anyway, and you weren't there, there damn it. But but it, w- w- with Rich Michael Richards, right? When you look, I I like to look at the the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, and he he seemed to me to be the most of the four of them, the most actory. One. Yes, like that's he's, right. he's in character and he doesn't want to break character, and he's sort of real. Yes, does that strike you? Was that yeah? Like, I agree. Jerry's yeah. comedian. George is there. Like he's a good actor too. But yeah. He was could have a laugh and do it, everything, but he seemed to be more the serious one of the. Film. Yeah, well, I feel you like reckon? it's because it's because Kramer was more of a character that yeah. needed to be played. Yeah. Whereas essentially, you could you could imagine that Jerry, George, and Elaine were actually just, uh, you know, a, a morphed uh, it was styles like the, of themselves. playing themselves. I mean, yeah. Jerry was playing himself, yeah, literally, just, no yeah, doubt, and he, and he did get better as he went along. So yeah. you ran Kramer, so that's what's right yeah. an issue where he had to. What put is on it? This it's, that, it's that whole never meet your heroes things, right? Yeah. Although Stallone, mate, I'd love. I actually sent him a question. 
on uh, Instagram. Yep. You know how he has asked how'd me. How'd that go? Uh, difficult to respond. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the question I asked him though, when is Ro- when are the Rocky movies coming out on 4K? He'd be like, man, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you reckon? Uh, it, I'm, I've, I've got some of his other, I've got the Expendables on He'd be 4K. thinking, I don't know, I've got them all in 8K, you know? like we, <laughs> He'd be like, I yeah. don't care, I've got a film projector and the original yeah. film. Yeah, because... You know. um, I know, like, you know, our family knows Jeff Fennick. I remember when Jeff Fennick's met him a couple of times. Yeah, obviously, me being a boxer, Stallone, we played Rocky. And, and um, yeah, it'd be absolute dream come true to just shake his hand and say, mate, thank you, you're a genius. Like, So, I hang on, so George work. Lucas, you're saying thanks for all the entertainment yes. you've given me? So, and same with Stallone, I'd say. Yeah. And my brothers, my, including my late brother Joe, he was a massive, massive Rocky fan. And my brother Michael, we did the Rocky tour in Philadelphia. Know, Philadelphia mate, it yeah. was so good. But, but what, So, yeah. are you saying the same thing to him? Yeah, I'd what if, say. I'd say mate, if you met him at the same time, that could be awkward. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, but I would just thank him. I'd say, look, thanks for your work. I love your work. Loved your Rocky movies. It... Mate, it was a real, real uh, highlight. It was a thrill, and I still watch them. They're on TV. I've got them on every single format you can imagine so several you can, times. You, you, yeah. So they're your, they're your dinner invites if you can have, uh, you know, the yeah, old... George Lucas, Sylvester Stallone. How many can I have? I was just going to say, what should be the limit? Yeah. I feel like three would be a good number because it's a table yeah. of four. Yeah. I don't know who my third would be. Give me a think. Who'd be your three? Um, I'm actually going to say, um, obviously, John Farnham. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty good. I think John Farnham. The thing about this is, like Jerry Seinfeld would be another, oh, but but course, I'm like, yeah. but I feel like, it, <laughs> like I'd want him in his natural, like just natural. I don't want him to yeah. be forced to be at this thing. I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to. Okay. He'd be he'd be walking in and say, "Okay, I'm here now. Let's get on with it." I don't want to have this dinner <laughs> yeah. if they don't want to be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's assume they want to be there. Let's assume it kind of doesn't yeah. feel right. Let's assume they want to be there, so okay. he'd be on. He'd be on his. Yeah. On, so on Farnham, his Seinfeld, and yeah, again, the is third, there like uh, a racing, like a Formula One, like oh Ricardo, mate, that would be a great night. Yeah, Ricardo. Yeah, well, Farnham, Seinfeld, well, and Ricardo. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably get some kind of like sport. Like, do they have, do they have to still be alive? It, it helps, have I think, for dinner. <laughs> yeah, you know, like not all the time. You know. Yeah, no. No, I'd I'd get someone like. Um, Oh, Michael Jordan or something like that. Like, have you been like the last dance? Is that yeah. that's just it, it's reinvented Jordan, not reinvented. Yeah. I think it's reintroduced him to, to another generation. Ed, like absolutely. my kids, mate, my kids had never they'd heard of him, but they weren't aware of just he. Jacko and I watching that. I just every time I, I watch it, when they show action, I'd say, mate, just all I can say is I don't watch a lot of basketball. Maybe yeah. they all do it. He but defies it, gravity. What it looked yeah. like to me was Michael Jordan jumps. Waits, yeah, and throws. He's amazing. He yeah. waits. Amazing, yeah. It's like, yeah, you he, he pauses that. before you, he throws. You know, it's been really good, and I, I, I'd recommend you watch these on YouTube. The interviews with the director, right? Jason here, his name is. He's the dude that had the footage. Yeah, he's well, the dude that had well, the footage from but, that final season. But he also then did all the interviews with him. Yeah, and so they're fascinating. Like he because had, he had this relationship with Jordan. Yeah. That, that allowed them to film in that final season. Yeah. Oh, mate, but the deal brilliant. was, mate, you're not making a documentary out of it. You're not releasing any of that footage until I'm ready. Yeah. And okay. so they, they so kept... Until Jordan was ready. Until Jordan was ready. Yeah, wow. And so they kept it. They, they kind of marked them with an X at the NBA kind of archives. Yep. And, you know, over the years, they've kept mate, in touch. And then he finally so convinced well him to do it. Yeah. It, it, mate, it's fascinating hearing about... I think they did it over three days. Yeah, you said three days, eight, eight hours. hours a day. Yeah, and it was um, 
and they asked him about the key points. I said, well, the best know, thing he they got did. emotional. Remember when he said, he goes, he goes, look, a lot of people, I think the question was, a lot of people perceive you not only as a champion, but that not many people perceive you as a nice guy. Do you remember he got emotional? Yeah. He said, look, I play the way I play. I play to win. And if you don't want to play like that, that's up to you. Yeah. And he got emotional. Then he goes, break. And he sort of got up off the chair. And and he was saying this. Jason here was saying that was forty five minutes in the first interview. That very, that's already yeah. he's thinking. Wow. Best thing he did was obviously, uh, you know, some of them were at the end. He, he saved some of the Jordan interviews yeah. to the very end because you yeah. have to go back and forth so that you get a bit of two way yeah. without them all being in the room. But showing him footage, like handing him an iPad, yeah, and, and seeing his reaction, <laughs> so smart. That was really good. It was very yeah. very well done. I liked it when they asked me about, and he was honest about stuff. And what I respected too was that. And this guy, Jason, the director, was saying Jordan had no say. Well, he never, ever said, no, I don't like that. I want you to change that. He just thought, he just wanted to see him to see him. But he was never once told to change anything. Yeah, right. He said, I want it to be warts and all, real. And he was happy with every episode. Yeah. And the, and this happened, by the way, He the, the final stages of editing happened during lockdown. Yeah. So he never had all the big studios at his disposal. He was editing all this stuff on his laptop. Wow. Can you believe? And and seeing it for the first time, the later episodes, first time he saw him on a big screen was when everyone else saw him. When when they came out on Netflix, he goes, "I've only seen them on this laptop that I'm talking that I'm talking to you on right now." Before they came out on Netflix. Yeah. Crazy. If you haven't seen the Last Dance, do make a beeline to that on Netflix and watch it. Get your dancing as shoes fast on. as you can. All right, Stephen, let's uh, talk again next week. Let's do that.